Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. 1 John chapter 4 verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Father, many of us at times struggle to believe that we really are loved by you. And so I would pray this morning that you'd help us by your spirit to believe the truth of your word and to believe that indeed we are loved. In Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago when I was a trainee in a different church down in Oxford, there was a particular young lady who very much caught my eye. And um, there was a rule at that other church that trainees couldn't go out with each other. So for a number of months, I wasn't able to express my feelings towards her. And also, I wasn't able to work out if she, if she liked me. I, I was sort of having to rely on trying to interpret the signs. Just little things here and there, little comments, a smile, and would she want to come and chat to me? Um, she didn't laugh at my jokes, but then no one did. So that, that wasn't a big indicator. Um, but it was quite a roller coaster ride, trying to... Uh, interpret whether or not there was any interest in the relationship. It was exhausting at times. Uh, Thankfully, the story has a happy ending because the trainee I'm talking about uh, is Lorna. And um, incredibly, she was interested in me. (laughs) I'm not sure why you're laughing. Relational anxiety. It's not easy when you're not sure how someone else feels about you. It can be exhausting trying to read the signs. I'm sure we've all experienced at some level that dynamic. Perhaps it's with a group of friends. We wonder, are we really part of the crowd? Do they really like us as a friend? We try to read the signs. Uh, Some of us will have experienced in a romantic context someone else um, trying to work out if they like us. And there might be some here today who are married. And even in that relationship, we wonder if our spouse actually loves us. You see, relational anxiety, it can be devastating. It can be exhausting, unnerving. And I think 1 John 4 is written about the most devastating kind of relational anxiety. I'm talking not about our relationship with other humans, but rather our relationship 
with God. I think John's readers were questioning whether or not God actually loved them. And whispering in their ear, there were the false Christians. You can imagine saying things like, you don't really know God, you've never seen him. Or, God doesn't love you, look at how much you sin. And at times, we might wonder the same thing as we struggle with not being able to see God ourselves face to face and as we struggle with the reality of our ongoing sin. Does God really love us? The words we have before us in 1 John 4 are wonderful words of great comfort to Christians who are experiencing anxiety in our relationship with God. And I think the key point for us this morning is there in verse 16. John writes, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. So how can we know and rely on God's personal, individual love for each one of us? Well, these closing verses of 1 John 4 will be a great help to us. I've got three points this morning. First, the Spirit gives us confidence about God's love. This whole section is about love from verse seven to verse 21. It's all about love. But then here in verse 13, it seems as if kind of out of the blue, John seems to to change course. So look at verse 13, back over the page. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Why is John talking about the Spirit when uh, the big theme of this chapter is love? Has he sort of veered off course, off his main topic? Not at all. In the next two verses, John shows us how the Spirit gives us confidence about God's love. And so verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. He's talking about the apostles who with their own eyes saw uh, Jesus, uh, God in the flesh with their very eyes. They saw that the Father had sent the Son. And when they write about God sending, we saw last week that that meant sending to die on a cross, to die in our place, taking all of God's wrath for our sin onto himself that we may not experience that wrath ourselves. That's what he means by sending. It is the ultimate demonstration of love. But sadly, there are millions of people around in the world today who look at the cross and they see nothing. They don't see it as a remarkable demonstration of love. They, they, they see something else or they deny it altogether. I think that's what the false Christians of 1 John were doing. But then look at verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Now this is so important. Most people don't acknowledge the truth about Jesus. They don't understand the cross. But there are some who do. And if anyone does, says John, it is because God lives in them. And back in verse 13, we know God lives in us by his spirit. 
And so putting these verses together, the difference between a person who looks at the cross and shrugs their shoulder and says, so what? And the person who looks at the cross and sees a tremendous demonstration of God's love for them. The difference is the spirit of God in the life of the person who sees the truth about Jesus. Imagine a boy is madly in love with a girl and in order to show his love, he plans a romantic walk down by the beach. Beforehand, he runs down to the beach and in the sand, he draws this huge um, sign saying, I love you in the sand. And of course, the plan is that he runs back and then walks with the girl down the path and as they walk along, she would see the sign. But as the walk ensues, the girl is looking all around up at the sky and the clouds and the sun and she's looking at the birds and the plants and the path. And she starts to get a bit frustrated because the boy isn't being very romantic. And as they walk along, the boy is getting frustrated because she's not looking at the sand. And eventually he kind of blurts out in frustration, please, would you look at the sand? Look down there, please. And I think at times we are like the girl walking along through the world, looking around at all kinds of things, trying to work out if the person next to us loves us or not. And we wonder and we get confused. When actually there in front of us, not the sand, but the cross is the ultimate demonstration of love. We just don't look at it. And it's only when God says to us, would you look at the cross? And it's his spirit in our hearts helping us to shift our gaze, to look at the cross. That's when we see the demonstration of God's love. The Spirit gives us confidence about God's love. There is, I think, a huge encouragement here for us. The reason why any of us think much of the cross is because God has sent his Spirit into us to live in us, which means that what will keep us going on in the future thinking much of the cross is not our intuition or our emotions or our circumstances, but it's the reality of God's spirit living in us. That's what will keep us prizing the cross. And so, verse 16, John concludes this little section by saying those wonderful words. Because we have the spirit in us helping us to see the truth about the cross, he says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. See how it works? The Spirit gives us confidence about God's love. There is, though, I think also an important reminder here for us. How does the Spirit work in our hearts? Well, the Bible has lots to say about the work of the Spirit. But here in 1 John, the particular area in which the Spirit works is in and through the eyewitness accounts of the apostles' testimony concerning Jesus. The words passed on to us. What we have here, the gospels, the Bible, God's word given to us. Do we want to be people in whom the spirit is powerfully working to bring great conviction and certainty and joy and confidence about God's love? We need to be people who read his word, who look at the eyewitness accounts of the apostles. And when we do, the spirit will work in us to help us have conviction about God's love. The Bible, it's, it's, no, uh, it's not a dry book full of kind of historical and um, rational statements only. It is a book that comes alive as the Spirit comes and uses these words wonderfully in our hearts 
word and spirit together. Sadly, many Christians close their Bibles and they wake up a couple of years later and they feel far from God and they wonder why they struggle to believe God's love for them. I think many Christians base their confidence about God's love on their experiences. And when our lives are working well and we look around and we think, yes, God loves me, that's brilliant. But when the storms come and our life falls apart and if we've built our confidence on our experience then our confidence regarding God's love, well, it goes away like a sandcastle at the seaside. But if we come back to God's word and we allow his spirit to speak great confidence into our hearts and minds, then we have a rock to stand on that will not be washed away in the ups and downs of life. The Spirit gives us confidence about God's love. Before we move on, I, I want to say a little more about a great theme that has been bubbling along beneath the surface in 1 John 4, but I think it really sort of just comes out in, in a wonderful color here in these verses. It is the Trinity. Christians believe in one God who is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And here we see all three working wonderfully together. The Father, verse 15, sends the Son on a tremendous rescue mission to save the world. The Son delights to submit to the Father's will and he goes even to the cross to rescue a world. And the Spirit, the Spirit comes and lives in the hearts of Christians and it's as if he's a a huge spotlight flooding our hearts with truth about Jesus. He points us to Jesus and says, look at the cross, look at what's been done for you. And the Spirit delights when other people think much of Jesus. Here is the one God who is Trinity. And it's a beautiful picture. The Father and the Son and the Spirit working together in perfect unity, in perfect love. Yes, with different roles, but about the same great task of salvation. And they love each other as they play their different roles. And that is why John can say, verse 16, God is love. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote this. The words, God is love, have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Love is something one person has for another person. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. But here we see in 1 John 4, that the one God is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. It has been the the case from eternity past and will be from eternity in the future, which means God is eternally loving within himself as the three persons of the Godhead love each other. And the incredible thing is that when we become Christians and the Spirit comes and lives in our hearts, and God lives in us, and we in God, we are welcomed into this eternal network of love, light, and joy that is the Trinity. And so because we have the Spirit in us, we have huge confidence about God's love. That's our first point. Next, 
God's love gives us confidence about our future. One of the great problems with relational anxiety is that a person might love us now in the present, but we don't know if they'll go on loving us in the future. Our books, our films, our songs, they're full of stories about people who fell out of love, who stopped loving for whatever reason, and there's heartbreak when that happens. And I think that kind of fear can creep into the heart of a Christian. We think, well, God might love us now, but what about the future? Well, look at verse 17. John begins the verse, in this way. Uh, he's talking about what we've just seen, that the spirit comes and lives in a Christian and because he's there, the Christian's heart is able to grasp and engage with God's love. In this way, says John, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. God's Love for us now means we can be utterly confident that God will go on loving us right to the end, even when Christ returns to judge the world. Or look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Perfect love... That's not our love for God. Rather, it is God's love for us demonstrated at the cross. And once we've grasped that perfect love, then we realize we have nothing to fear. I think yet still many of us struggle to believe the good news. When it rains on holiday or or bad health comes our way or something else happens, so often people say something like, well, God must be punishing me. But he doesn't. He doesn't punish the genuine Christian. Oh, he might discipline us like a father would discipline the child that he loves, but God never punishes his children who are in Christ. He doesn't now, he won't in the future, and he won't when Christ returns. You see, God's love gives us confidence about our future. Perhaps this morning as we come and share together that meal of bread and wine that reminds us of that great act of love, the cross, perhaps as we uh, eat and drink this morning, you might want to particularly think about how the love demonstrated at the cross drives away all our fear. Now in the present, but also in the future, we have nothing to fear from God. His love is secured towards us forever. And perhaps we might want to delight afresh in that confidence. But before we move on, there is a subplot in these verses that we need to bring out. John wants us to be confident about God's love. And one extra way we can be confident about his love is when we see ourselves loving other Christians. That's verse 17. God's love is made complete in us when we start to love other people as Christ 
has loved us. Some years ago, my dad decided it was time to install a few new radiators upstairs. It was a good call. It was very cold upstairs. And so one weekend, we um, dug up the floorboards and we tore out some old pipes and we spent the weekend installing new pipes, cutting them, bending them, um, creating new joints, installing the radiators, put the floorboards down. Then, of course, there comes that moment when you have to to test if what you've been doing for the whole weekend has actually been um, productive. And you know how you test it, don't you? You go downstairs and you switch on the boiler and you see what happens. Um, You hope for no um, water uh, flying around everywhere. But then the next thing you do is you go upstairs and you put your hand on the new radiator. Initially, it's ice cold. There's nothing. But... If the connections are working properly, then after a few minutes, you'll just start to sense, right down at the bottom corner, just the faintest glimmer of heat coming through. And if you find the heat, then you know that there's been a complete connection made between the boiler and your new radiator. Now, the new radiator, it'll never be as hot as the boiler, but it will in some sense, share the same heat. The boiler produces the heat, but the radiator passes it on. And that, I think, is a picture of verse 17. God is the great source of love. We've seen that. It's his spirit bringing conviction in our hearts that helps us to know we are loved. But how can we tell if we've made the right connections in our hearts and minds and we really understood his love Well, one way is when we start to be like Christ and we start to love others as he's loved us, not perfectly, but if there's a connection in our hearts between the great source of love and our faltering love for others, then we know that the circuit's complete, something's working as it should, and God does love us. And so I think genuine Christians should be able to look around at their hearts and their lives and see some sign of love for other people. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not saying that our love for other people somehow earns God's love for us. No, it's the cross that does that. It's, already, it's been done for us already. But if we get the cross, then we should see signs of love in our hearts for others. Let's not set the bar too high. I'm not saying that we will always love well or love like Christ has. We will go up and down in our capacity to love. John is very clear that we still sin. I think the comparison we should make is not with the best Christian we've ever seen, but rather with the worldly false Christians around who hate the Christians. That's the benchmark. Some years ago, I went on a pre-ordination retreat with around 45 other people preparing to be ordained, and most of them were lovely. By and large, I had a great time away, but there was one conversation on the first evening with a couple of people. It emerged that I'd been to a particular Bible college for my training, and when I said where I'd been, one person looked me in the eye and they said, I hate evangelicals. Just a couple of people agreed with them. Not everyone, just a couple. And over the next few days, they made it abundantly clear that they hated me. 
By the way, they talked about me to my face and they pushed me away. Just a couple. Most of them were lovely. But that, I think, is the, the, the dynamic of one John. Uh, people in and around the Christian community who claim relationship with God, but who hate Christians. Now, I don't know what was going on in the heart of that particular person. God does, I don't. But I do know that their behavior is the kind of behavior of one John. And that's the background into which John says to his genuine Christians, if you love a little, if you manage to move beyond hate and find something to love about another Christian, then you're the real deal. God's love is made complete in you. Which means that any little conversation, any act of love, any desire to be with other Christians and a sense of partnership, it's an indication that the connections are forming in our hearts that we do know God. Well, finally, very briefly, number three. Hatred gives us confidence about who does not love God. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. That's the pattern we've seen time and again through 1 John 4. It's very clear how God's love should flow into our lives and cause us to love. But having established that pattern, John now applies it in a different direction. And verse 20 shows us the direction. If anyone says, I love God and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Imagine for just a moment that I hate cats. I actually quite like cats, but just imagine I I hate cats. Imagine that I look at a cat and I think that they are self-centered and unpredictable and and grumpy. Um, It's not that hard to imagine why I might hate a cat. But then I go around to a friend's house and they have a cat. And um, as I walk in the door, how do I respond? I've got the friends here, the cat's there. Well, I don't kick the cat, do I? Uh, In fact, I might even find in my heart a glimmering of um, a kind of a warm feeling towards the cat. I might tolerate his purring and his rubbing up against me. Not because I find it easy to love a cat, but because I'm in a friendship with the owner. And do you see how the lesser relationship of me and the cat is a mirror, if you like, of the greater relationship between me and the owner? Uh, The greater relationship impacts the lesser. That's not a perfect example, but I think that's the sense of what John is saying here. You see, a person might say, I love God. You know, God and I, we're, we're very close. We're in a brilliant relationship. You can't test that claim. You don't know what's in their heart. It's an unseen relationship. But we can see how that person treats Christians. And the way they treat Christians is a window into how they view God. And it's a window into their relationship with God. See, a genuine Christian loves God and begins to love other Christians. The false Christians of one John, they don't love God. And so they hate the Christian. And so John writes, I think, to help his readers understand why it is that people hate them. It's because they don't love God. 
It's one way for us to spot the unseen relationship between God and humanity by looking at how others treat Christians. It's a warning for us to be very wary of anyone who claims to know God and to speak for God, no matter what position they hold or how much training they had or whether they've been to an ordination retreat. If they don't love the brother or the sister in Christ, be very wary of that person. Relational anxiety can be a terrible thing. But in the one relationship that matters most, we can have the greatest certainty. John writes, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Let's pray. Father, we do often struggle to believe that you do love us and all the ups and downs of the roller coaster of life that we experience in our circumstances and our emotions, our feelings. Father, thank you for your spirit that you've sent into our hearts. And I would pray this morning that he would be very active among us, helping us to see with greater clarity, with greater certainty, greater joy, just how much we are loved as we look afresh at the cross. Amen.